Don't look back because the market is closed. Good Friday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Harris here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. It was a, a bit of a rough end to the week this week. Uh, certainly an interesting one, though. It wasn't all negative out there in the market, despite appearances' sake, if you look at the top-line numbers. But as Kip talked about yesterday, and we saw this morning, there's still a lot of hesitancy in this market surrounding everything that the Fed said in their Wednesday FOMC meeting, uh, what the St. Louis Fed President Jim Bullard said this morning. But our view here remains unchanged. As Jay Powell said himself, the Fed isn't even thinking about raising rates until 2023. Their dot plots showed that as well. And there's still an uncertain timeline on potential tapering. It's still potential, essentially, in that regard. Uh, so, but then you have somebody this morning, like the St. Louis Fed president, Jim Bullard, going on CNBC, you know, really, <clears throat> I think a lot of people probably speculate about this, but he's not a voting member for rate hikes. So really, he's throwing his own wrench in it, and maybe he's just kind of taking the counter-narrative to make it look like all, all opinions are heard here at the Federal Reserve. Uh, could be something like that. But essentially this morning saying that the quick recovery that they've seen in inflation has surprised them. It could make the Fed want to tighten sooner than expected. And he could see an interest rate hike go as soon as next year, so 2022 instead of 2023. Like I said, though, he's not a voting member, so that part can probably be taken with something of a grain of salt. But when you look out into what happens next year, do you really think that the Federal Reserve is going to raise rates going into the 2022 midterms? You know, if history shows, the Fed has used their monetary policies as political weapons before. It traces all the way back to the first central banks here in the United States uh, in the time of Alexander Hamilton. Not just, this isn't just a modern occurrence. Federal Reserve or banks like it have used their abilities to influence political, uh, whether it's elections or opinions, whatever it is. So certainly now, with our very openly left-leaning Federal Reserve, the woke Fed, as it's being called a lot now, um, they're not going to risk a market sell-off as we get into midterm voting season. Even the risk of it is too much for them to really go anywhere near it, especially not one where already the Dems are fighting to not lose seats. So that's how we see it here. Certainly, we're not worried about interest rate hikes for another... <laughs> Till 2023, you know, eight, or, yeah, 18 months or so away from now. Um, so looking at today's action, it's funny, of course, because interest rates just continue to plunge. A few months back, really not long ago at all, investors were freaking out about the 10-year rising to a whopping 1.7%. A very low number by historical standards, absolutely. We were saying at the time not to be concerned about it. The move-in rates will resume lower. Well, the 10-year today looks like it wants to continue to fall down 4% again today to a 1.4, 1.45 on the 10-year. So 
it's just, like I said, funny to think about how many PhD economists got this wrong. Even with the Fed talking about tapering bond yields, or sorry, tapering their QE, bond yields head lower. Now, a lot of these mainstream economists tend to believe that when the Fed starts to taper, that rates must go on the rise. Well, it's just not the case. We saw it in the taper tantrum of 2013 as well. When the Fed began cutting QE, rates continued to fall further. So we do have some examples of this. And when you look across the rest of the world, such as Japan, uh, which was really the guinea pig for this type of model, all their rates have done is head lower whether they're tapering or really QE infinity like they have now and is on the way here as well. And, of course, it, you know, it's important to point out the Fed only controls the short end of interest rates, the two-year uh, uh, bonds. So the market has more of a say in the decision on the long end here, and investors are getting back into U.S. bonds, even with the expectation of the Fed cutting their QE. It's, it's pretty simple, really. There is, it is expected that this economic recovery is going to continue, even if it is at a slower pace than we saw from last year's incredible numbers, which, you know, you know trees, trees don't grow to the sky. So when you see this environment, where else are you going to go? Are you going to go buy bonds from Europe? Well, no, they have negative rates as well. Germany really leading the way on that one. Japan, no. All across the globe, I mean, we have negative rates. So if you want a reliable source like the like debt from the U.S. government, that's just the price that you have to pay. Uh, so like I said, we have 40 years going back to look at that now, and we remain firmly in the camp that rates are going to continue lower. And now we, it seems that inflation is cooling as well, maybe a little early in that, but I mean, this is just the initial stages of inflation cooling. So this is one thing we do happen to agree with the Fed on, that inflation will be transitory. Now, the question becomes then, will it be transitory in absolute terms or in rate of change? But I'll, and I'll explain what I mean by that here in a second. We've already seen it, lumber prices coming down, corn, soy, um, Metals prices coming down as well. Oil not so much, but big parts of that of the of how the metrics are done are coming down. So what I mean by absolute and rate of change inflation, an absolute inflation would be a spike in inflation that is followed by a fallback to the original prices. Rate of change inflation refers to inflation that rises, and when it falls. It falls to a higher level than it was before and forms a new base. So I, I happen to think that we're likely in the latter camp, in the rate of change camp, that yes, these prices are going to come down. They'll likely settle at a higher price than they were, whether that's pre-pandemic or just in terms of inflation in general. But like I said, we've already seen it, seen it in commodity prices falling. And we do remain very bullish here on precious metals but we think that the worst of the inflation fears, they're at least out in the open now. The market can adjust. Suppliers can adjust. We can get some of these shortages fixed. And now the action in yields is telling us that the rotation of growth is back on. You don't have to freak out about the 10-year on the rise. Uh, as Kip has pointed out here, since May 12th, tech has by far, by far been our best performer. 
We've seen our previous leaders like Financials and Energy, which has had phenomenal 2021 so far. They've been hit the hardest by the recent move lower. So we talk about these rotations a lot. We've seen a lot of mini ones, but now it does seem that the return to growth is on here. And we saw that in our markets as well today. Despite all of our major indexes being negative on the day, the NASDAQ held up the best. Um, both the S&P and the NASDAQ just a couple of percentage points away from their all-time highs, even with today's sell-off. And we see the weakness in small caps and the Dow, so the value names. So today, NASDAQ led even though down nine-tenths of 1% to 14,030. We were followed there by the S&P 500, down 1.3% to 4,166. Next up was the Dow, down 1.58% to 33,290. And lastly here, the Russell 2000, our biggest loser on the day, down 2.17% to 2,237. Now, something that was interesting today and really for the week is the VIX had a big week this week, up over 20% um, or so on the week. Actually, I think it's a little more than that. It was up 16% today alone. Um, but when you look at the chart of the VIX, going back to last year's peak in March, March of 2020, the VIX has done nothing but make lower lows and lower highs. And that's a trend that we expect to continue here. It serves its purpose, gets a... Uh, you know, obviously fear is in the market. We see it in the fear and greed index. I bet that fell as well today. Also to this morning, it was at about a 41. Oh my gosh. It's at a 30 finished at a 30 today. So despite the NASDAQ and S and B 500 being within 2% or so of all time highs, we have a 30, which is a fear reading on the fear and greed index. So just shows you how much fear there is in this market right now. And as contrarians, we love taking the other side of that bet. So speaking of that, we did this last year where we shorted the VIX after the big increase that it had uh, actually through UVXY, which is the leveraged VIX. Um, you know, really a VIX above 20 and it's at above a 20 again now historically is a very high level. Now, if you go back and look at it from the last year, not so much, but go back a few more years, the VIX really hangs out in the 10 to 20 range for most of the time. So anything above a 20, you know, we're starting to get interested here in going back and shorting the VIX. Maybe a little premature to do it today. Obviously, the market's closed, but that is becoming an increasingly interesting trade here on our end. And it wasn't just the S&P and the NASDAQ that are right at all-time highs. This week, we hit all-time highs. And the Russell 1000, the Russell 3000, uh, um, the S&P hit an all-time high on Monday. The Qs, which is the, the tech ETF, hit an all-time high this week as well. And as we say here often, all-time highs are not the sign of a market that wants to head lower. So despite all the fear out there, we remain very bullish on this market. All right, so let's take a look now at our internals on the day today. We did not see the action we would have liked to have seen from the internals this week. Certainly less than ideal. Uh, declining stocks, beating out, advancing by about three to one on the day to day, so about three to one negative. New 52 week highs to lows remain are positive here. They were positive this week, getting a little narrower here, 
between the two, but still coming back positive for both the NYC and the NASDAQ. And then volume coming in significantly negative on the NYC, and a little bit closer on the NASDAQ, but both negative. Despite the weakness that we've seen in the internals, like I said, after the market recap, we remain bullish here. We think this is a healthy shakeout engineered really by the Fed through their the language they used this week and then Bullard this morning to keep the market hesitant, to keep the public out of stocks. Uh, really, we see the rotation is back to tech is on and this is re- going to be, as we look back, a great buying opportunity. Looking at our sectors on the day-to-day, we finished with all 11 of our S&P 500 sectors lower on the day-to-day. Uh, our leaders were consumer discretionary, still down four-tenths of 1%. We were followed there by tech. Uh, and tech, as I mentioned earlier, really held up well this week, given the weakness that we saw, especially the weakness that we saw in energy and the financials. Like I said earlier in the podcast, those two have been our best performers so far in 2021. But since the May 12th lows have significantly underperformed uh, tech. So, for example, I think the Dow is down now back below its lows from May 12th, while tech, specifically the NASDAQ, is up about 8% since that time. So, we have about a month of that of that outperformance now. We think it's real. And even on a day like today, where the NASDAQ was down almost 1%, we got a few all-time highs. Adobe hit an all-time high. NVIDIA hit an all-time high. And you know how much... We love the semis. We want to see tech leading and semis leading tech. Didn't exactly get the, the perfect recipe there on that today. Tech did lead. The semis lagged a little bit, but still good to see individual names hitting all-time highs on days like today. And really, how well tech hold up speaks volumes to the strength that that sector is seeing right now. So then next up here are laggards on the day. Energy led the way lower. Oil was higher on the day, though, followed there by utilities, financials, and consumer staples. Lastly here for today, our VRA commodity watch. Gold now down 0.66% to 1,763 an ounce. Silver just about flat on the day. Uh, Actually, uh, just going up here a little bit, up 0.02% to $25.86 an ounce. Copper now down about 1% on the day to $4.13 a pound. And oil continuing higher, as I mentioned earlier, up 0.77% to $71.60 a barrel. And lastly for today on Cryptocurrency Watch, Bitcoin now down a big 5.5% to $35,632 a Bitcoin. Folks, that is all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top. We'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday. And happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Dad, Kip, if you're listening still, happy Father's Day. Thank you for everything. Hope you all have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday after the close.